Lord Jesus, you are the King of Kings. You're the one who we understand now, we see now through the, the story that has been told to us that we grasp by faith just how glorious and how great thou art, dear Father. And one day everyone, everyone will see how great thou art when thou wilt return in glory as thine own people's king, dear Father, but the ruler also of this world who will dash in pieces those that oppose thee, will break them with a rod of iron. Dear Father, now this point is the point where we choose whether we acknowledge thee as king, accept thee as this king, not just simply with our lips, but with our lives, dear Father. Help us to understand this, understand truly what choice is laid before each one, and, uh, dear Father, give us the grace and the strength to persevere as many as have embarked on that journey as thy disciples, as that's those that spread the good news that Jesus is risen. Dear Father, we pray that many more would come into that family before the door of, of grace would be closed. Dear Lord, we thank thee for this opportunity, this afternoon hour. We thank thee for answered prayer, for faithful, the faithful Holy Spirit who intercedes on our half, the faithful Lord Jesus on the basis of his shed blood, and all to a faithful God who will never forsake his children, will never uh, go back on his promises. We thank thee for that, dear Father. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. I'd like to turn to the Gospel of John, but back a few chapters from where we read this morning. Chapter 16. John is the one that re records that after-dinner conversation. The, the Passover had happened. They had shared the Passover. They'd shared the, the, the cup and the bread. And I'm, I'm sure this must have been a point finally where the disciples were thinking, wow, that must have been, that was quite a week that went by. As we last, on Friday, we, we reflected all the things that had happened. And Jesus, he always surprised us. And wow, now, okay, it seems like we've come to the end of this week and, and, and now we have some calmness. And, and, and yet Jesus is sharing and expounding things that they don't understand at the time he's sharing them, but they will treasure them. They will hold on to them and they will understand them. So I'd like to read from chapter 16, verse 16, like verse 16 to the end. This is Jesus speaking. A little while, and ye shall not see me. And again, a little while, and ye shall see me, because I go to the Father. Then said some of his disciples among themselves, what is this that he saith unto us? a little while, and he shall not see me, and again a little while, and he shall see me, and because I go to the Father. They said, therefore, what is this that he saith a little while? We cannot tell what he saith. Now Jesus knew that they were desirous to ask him, and said unto them, Do ye inquire among yourselves of that I said, a little while, and ye shall not see me, and again a little while, and ye shall see me? Verily, verily, I say unto you, that ye shall weep, and lament, but the world shall rejoice. And ye shall be sorrowful, but your sorrow shall be turned into joy. 
A woman, when she is in travail, hath sorrow, because her hour is come. But as soon as she is delivered of the child, she remembereth no more the anguish for joy that a man is born into the world. And ye now, therefore, have sorrow, but I will see you again, and your heart shall rejoice, and your joy no man taketh from you. And in that day ye shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever ye shall ask in the Father, ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. Hitherto have ye asked nothing in my name. Ask, and ye shall receive, that your joy may be full. These things have I spoken unto you in Proverbs, but the time cometh when I shall no more speak unto you in Proverbs, but I shall show you plainly of the Father. At that day ye shall ask in my name, and I say not unto you that I will pray the Father for you, for the Father himself loveth you, because he, ye have loved me and have believed that I came out from God. I came forth from the Father and am come into the world. Again, I leave the world and go to the Father. His disciples said unto him, Lo, now speakest thou plainly and speakest no proverb. Now we are sure that thou knowest all things and needest not that any man should ask thee. By this we believe that thou camest forth from God. Jesus answered them, Do ye now believe? Behold, the hour cometh, yea, and is now come, that ye shall be scattered, every man to his own, and shall leave me alone. And yet I am not alone, because the Father is with me. These things I have spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. I've read to the end of chapter 16 of the Gospel of John. <clears throat> My thoughts were drawn to this passage here as a kind of a... On one hand, it shows clearly Jesus knew exactly what was happening. He was prepping, he was warning, he was um, not... He was uh, encouraging his disciples, reassuring them before it all happened, yet they didn't know, they didn't understand what, what was going on in the crucifixion. But I see it as a summary of the whole crucifixion and the power of the resurrection, particularly verse 22. Um, sorry, verse 20. One sentence in there, one, one phrase that jumps out to me, which is a summation of this all of what we've been reflecting on the past uh, couple, few days. But your sorrow shall be turned into joy. This account that we've read, the whole crucifixion, the passion account, there's a lot of sorrow in it. There's a lot of suffering in it. It's not glossed over. It's not uh, ignored. It's spelled out very plainly. The, apostle, the writers of the Gospels went to great lengths to record all the details, some very troubling things that you think sometimes as we read the, the as we tell the, the crucifixion account to our, our kids, I don't want to go into all the details, but there is a lot of sorrow. And I think not only the disciples who were just hit from every angle as it were, 
you know, as we said at the beginning here, this was, this was probably that they thought, okay, this is the end of a pretty, pretty different kind of week. Jesus is saying and doing a lot of things that seem pretty provocative, but now we have this quiet time. He's going to explain everything to us. Things are calming down, but this was the last few hours before their world just, everything fell apart as they were um, surprised. I'm sure it was a surprise and a shock to see Judas showing up with a crowd of soldiers and, and, uh, and the, the priests and whoever else came along. That was a shock. And then after they all turned tail and ran, the shock of their own failure, I think the, the, the sorrow of, of failure, when you realized how much you failed, that's a bitter sorrow. I think we've all tasted that in some form or other, where we have realized just the depth of how much we failed. And that kind of sorrow, oh, that's a heavy, heavy burden. There seems to be no light from that. I think of the sorrow of the disciples that they experienced. You think of the sorrow of Jesus Christ, what he experienced. He didn't hide that either. You know, he experienced real sorrow too. He said, my soul is exceeding sorrowful even unto death when, as he entered the Garden of Gethsemane and he went to pray. And this passage here, where he says, where he tells them, you will all be scattered at the end, every man to his own, and I am, and shall leave me alone, and yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. I think his real weight of sorrow was to realize he would be separated from his Father on the cross, that he would be, he would suffer in a way that goes beyond the, the physical description of what we see, of the horrible physical suffering on the cross. If the cross was just about physical suffering and the, the torment, we don't do it justice. We don't understand the depths of God's love or the depths of God's character of who he really is. This was someone who had always enjoyed the full communion and delight with his father, had that, that perfect communion that was the source of strength through everything, all the things he went through, that was such delight to him and, and to be left utterly alone, to cry out as, as Matthew and Mark record, my God, my God, no longer my father, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? So he experienced a cup of sorrow too, a deep thing that he had to drink. But the amazing thing, as I said last week, as, as, as Christ was riding into Jerusalem on that donkey, on the, on the colt, the foal of a donkey, and the whole crowd was Hosanna, Hosanna, all this excitement and, and the religious rulers are scheming and, and the disciples are thinking now's the time he's going to establish the kingdom. They have all these different ideas. He is the only one that knows exactly what is happening. He's the only one. And you see it clearly when you look at the historical account, this whole story tied together, he is the only one who knows what's going on. The same thing here and now. As he can tell his disciples, your sorrow will be turned to joy that is what sustained him in the garden. He, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame. That is what sustained him. That was the answer to his prayer in the garden. As he, the enormity of the separation of, I'm sure within his flesh, the, um, not only quailing from the physical suffering, but, but 
Will God, the doubts that we have, will God come through? Will he resurrect? Will he? No. He trusted the nature, the goodness of his father. And I think that's ultimately how this sorrow is turned to joy. And that is ultimately the the power of the resurrection. The power of the cross and the power of the resurrection is it's the full display of God's character. The full evidence of his love that turns when we see fully who he really is, how great he is, how loving he is, what lengths he would go to to save you and me. That is the source of, of, of joy that can turn the sorrow the sorrow that each one of us experienced, the, the sorrow of this life. That's what uh, Peter quotes when he talks about the resurrection in Acts 2. He quotes Psalm 16. He said, no, It was not possible that, that Christ would be holden of death, that, that death would, would restrain him. For David speaks concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face. I was always looking to him. For he is on my right hand that I should not be moved. Therefore my, did my heart rejoice and my tongue was glad. Moreover, also my flesh shall rest in hope because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell. Neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. And he continues, he didn't stop there. He says, thou hast made known to me the ways of life. Thou shalt make me full of joy with thy countenance. That is what sustained Jesus Christ through this. That's what he could say on the basis, that's what he could say to his disciples on the basis of God's character and his trust in his character. God will turn this to good. He will turn this sorrow, the sorrow you're going to experience, into joy. That's the real joy. That's, that's the joy that, that's talked about in Scripture that we ought to have. Not this, we've, we've spoken about it before, not this temporary euphoria. I'm having a really good time. You know, this is, today is so much better than yesterday. Not that, but a joy that goes into your disposition, into your character, into who you are. I looked up the Greek word that's used uh, commonly in the New Testament for joy, almost, I don't know, 80% of the time. It's a word that's easy for me to remember. The word is kara. And oh, that's my sister's, sister-in-law's name. I didn't think that's, Maybe the Lord knew when, when uh, her parents named her that name. I had to think her example of suffering through, uh, we don't know the half of it, um, is one of joy. I really have to say that's the kind of joy. It was miserable. It's, she still has her challenges, and thank the Lord she's a lot better than, than she was two, three years ago. But I have to think that is the picture of the Christian's joy. That is the sorrow that has turned to joy when we're able to rest in God's provision, to have joy really in that, to be glad, not happy as in, oh, you know, I don't feel so great physically and, and maybe my mood isn't so, um, but it is so sustaining. Every time I think about, every, every uh, moment I have where my soul cries out, I turn to my father and he renews me again. I, yes, there is purpose. This will end. God has a plan for me. That's joy. That's the Christian's joy. That's the joy that, 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 that Jesus was talking about. And that, Apostle John seems to be especially, though he latches onto that as he 
writes in his epistle later on, you know, I'm writing these things unto you that your joy may be full, as he writes to Christians who maybe aren't fully tasting or experience that joy that is available. That is available for me. So we see sorrow in the, in the gospel accounts, and we see joy, deep joy, as, as, as was spoken about this, this morning, Mary, in that one moment where she heard her name called, she realized, wow, that deep joy, the joy that was so great that it wasn't just this, oh, wow, temporary, it was almost too good to be true. You could see the disciples struggling almost to, to, to believe this, and is it really true? I can't believe it. But as it went on, and this joy that became full at the, at the day of Pentecost as the Holy Spirit was, was poured out, and I think that's what Christ was speaking about here in chapter 16. I'd like to focus just a little bit on the word between them, sorrow and joy, but sorrow turned to joy. And think about that for a bit and how God works. It doesn't say your sorrow is going to be erased, obliterated, you know, never remember it anymore. He says your sorrow will be turned, transformed into joy. And I see that also in this account of the, of the crucifixion, that the sorrow that they experienced, all the things that Christ went through, the suffering, it wasn't ignored and obliterated. The, the disciples didn't, you know, well, that, that was a, a sordid and bloody chapter. We're not going to record all that. It was an essential part. God used that sorrow, the, 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 the pain and the suffering, and turned that to joy. And I think he wants to do that in our lives too, to take the sorrow that we experience, the heartaches, the, 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 the tough things, and not for us to try to ignore them, make them go away. I'm not going to think about it. I'm just going to think happy thoughts. I'm going to pretend. I'm going to put a smiley face on, and we're going to... No, I think he wants us to see through those hard things, through the difficulties, that that sorrow can also be turned to joy, the, the joy of the Christian, the deep-seated rejoicing in him that God is so good in all of this and through all of this. Sometimes I think I understand Jesus like these disciples did here in this passage. Oh, now, now you speak plainly. You're not using Proverbs anymore. We understand clearly you came from God and you're going, uh, we believe, by this we believe that thou camest forth from God. Verse 30. And then God has to take me through something or show me something about my character or um, what I'm leaning and trusting on to reveal that Hmm. maybe I don't really maybe I really need to come through that sorrow again and allow God to turn that sorrow into joy as I trust in him and his Holy Spirit I see so much of myself in, in these accounts sometimes but then also we realize we have the promise of the Holy Spirit we've received the Holy Spirit we have all of these things he said I don't even need to you can ask God directly now he says here, At that day ye shall ask in my name, and I say not unto you that I will pray the Father for you, for the Father himself loveth you, because ye have loved me and have believed that I came out from God. 
If I love Jesus, if I believe who he is, who he said he is, I have that access. And that is such a great source of joy for me. A source of great rejoicing to realize this communion that, as we heard this morning, that Jesus says, my God and your God, my Father and your Father. Now I, like Jesus, that, that perfect communion that he had, that, that, that deep-seated joy that never left him except for that moment of separation and suffering on the cross, I can experience that. I can have that. And that, my, my brother and sister, that should be a, just something that should propel us and, 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 and allow us to go forward with purpose, with, with diligence, with zeal to share God's word and, and, and serve his purposes. My friend outside of Christ, it is a, sorrow, it is a choice between sorrow and joy. Sorrow is related to all the things like death and separation and aloneness. Those are the sources of sorrow. It is all the things that Christ experienced, the disciples experienced too, that, that was the things that generated that sorrow, the weeping, the lamenting, the, the, the bitterness of, of expectations not being met. We thought he would have been the one. The disappointments of life my friend outside of Christ, you have a choice between that sorrow or the joy of life, of knowing God, of reconciliation, of reunion, of joining together, of not being alone, of, of being with a father who never leaves you. That's the choice you have, my friend outside of Christ. Sorrow and joy. That's the choice of the resurrection this afternoon hour. Having heard this gospel, this account, which was sealed, as we said, it was also said this morning, with the blood of the witnesses, those that had seen these things died because they believed these things and they would not change, they would not be bought off. That's the choice you have this afternoon. It is, it's such an obvious choice. Now on this side of, of, of that choice, I say it's such an obvious choice. It's life or death. Which will... Like Paul says to, to the, 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 um, the Jews in, I don't know if it was Antioch and Pisidia, he says, you judge yourselves unworthy of this. You're rejecting the gospel. It's, it's really a choice between life and death. I pray the Lord would, I pray you would, would realize that and would take life, you would choose life, you would experience that joy which cannot be shaken, cannot be moved, Life may go up and down. You may have moments of, of, of great, and that's the other thing. So I think as I go through life and, and now with a family and experiencing the, the blessings of children and just seeing them grow, it's amazing. It's, it's wonderful, but it's fleeting at the same time. You realize these things, that little baby now, he's growing so quickly. He, he's going to be five, six, seven, eight, nine years old in no time at all. And that propels me also. Even these earthly joys propel me towards my Father who is eternal, who is, has at his right hand are joys forevermore, pleasures forevermore. That propels me also to God. And my friend outside of Christ, I pray that, that whatever you experience in this life, earthly joys or sorrows, that would propel you to realize the truth that is offered to you, the, the grace and the love through Christ Jesus.
to whom be honor and glory forever.